0: Welcome back to Between the Sheets with Melissa and Scarlett, episode three. three. So, before we get into our weird news segment, how was your week? Do you want to talk about writing or otherwise?
1: Um, sure. It was a pretty topsy-turvy week. Uh, <laughs> the good and the bad. It's very, uh... Was that Dickens? It was the best of times. times.
0: It was the worst of times. It was the worst
1: of times. It's my every fucking week. Um, Yeah, I finished uh, the first draft of Desired Pyrotechnics, which I thought was going to fucking kill me. And (laughs) by the end of it, I literally was crying just because I wanted it finished. I wanted it out of my head. I was sick of it. I was done with it. I have been locked inside of my head like eight to ten hours every day for almost three and a half months now wow it's a little bit easier in the Saruman universe because it's a magical universe and right. so there are no limitations where this is the first time that I've ever written in a contemporary universe where it's like well fuck I can't rely on magic right yeah,
0: it's as if <laughs> rules I can't set of change rules.
1: yeah because in the ceremony world, it's, you know, because it's a magical universe, I can just change the fucking rules and...
0: Do whatever you want. Yeah. This week, I got a strange sort of message from my editor. Mm-hmm. She is apparently quitting. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. And finding a good editor is so hard. It's so hard. And she's really good. She's a, she's super sweet. Oh, shit. And she loves science fiction, and she, she seems to get me, and she gets the story. Um, You know, there was only only ever one issue that i ever had with her editing and and that was a very easily uh solved situation but everything else has been super smooth and i love her so much but she wants to quit and i guess she's got personal reasons and so now i'm like what do i do (laughs) (laughs) and then jeremy said he had a vision about the third book Get out! Yeah, I can't wait to hear this. So it wasn't it wasn't very it wasn't very detailed, but he basically just said he we were driving around and I was sort of bitching about writing, and he said he said I think you should do the third book, and he said I think you should do it soon. He said okay. I just he said, I just have a very good feeling about it. And I was like, well, what kind of feeling, you know, because I'm trying to like pry him or whatever. <laughs> and he but he is so Mr. Stoic and Mr. Skeptical and he's, you know, he's an atheist. He doesn't we believe in anything. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> Give know. Us time. And he's not into the whole like, oh, I have visions and I'm into like weird stuff. He kind of like doesn't really believe in anything. So um so it was kind of even weird for him yeah. of all people to uh, that say surprises me. Yeah. So anyway, it might be it might be time. So this is our weird news. Um, this was actually sent to me by Scarlett. And dead L.A. man who had 1,200 guns identified is, quote, part alien. Indeed, but if you read down, what, what is it
1: that they say about him again? I mean, it's not like they did his DNA, and we're like, "What the fuck?"
0: Well, exactly.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's says, not.
0: He hasn't been tested, and they haven't like found definitive proof that he's actually. This is just him claiming to be part alien. He says but the that the people around him were claiming the same too. Right. It says here the mystery behind a Los Angeles gun fanatic found decomposing in a car last week has deepened as his fiance's family said he was an alien hybrid secretly working for the government.
1: Really? And it sounds like it sounds slightly paranoid, schizophrenic
0: to me. But,
1: you know, have you known people that were part alien?
0: Well, sometimes I've thought I was part alien. You do have a quote. (laughs) I do have I'm a quote. A, I'm supposed
1: to be part alien because I'm O negative, so I am, you know, like a, you've a, got it in your blood. I was gonna
0: say I'm a reptilian overlord, <laughs> right? And don't you have like an extra disc in your I back? I do. I have. So. I,
1: I like a lot of the O, um, the O negatives. I have an extra vertebrae and whatever. And my my claim and the to lower body temperature.
0: Oh right, right. And my claim to alien fame is um, goes back to Philip K. Dick, actually. Which, um, on February 20th, 1974, a beam of pink light allegedly came from outer space and came to Philip K. Dick Mm -hmm, and gave him some information. And then he wrote two books about it, Valis and Mm -hmm. Radio Free Album. I was born on February 20th, 1974, (laughs) to a woman who was told by doctors who would never be able to have a child. Really? Yeah, because she has a tipped uterus, so mm-hmm. I was an alien. Uh, not alien. <laughs> I probably was. I was a miracle baby. You came down in that pink light. I did, but I was a miracle baby. I was never supposed to exist. So, you know, I mean, sometimes I'm like, hmm, coincidence? <laughs> or strange not. timing. Very strange timing. So I remember when um, we were getting ready to
1: film Mother of Toads for Theater Bazaar, and one of the locations that we wanted um, was owned it was this beautiful old house the Metairie Blanche and it was originally a friend of ours and then she had lost control of it and the Sufi master had gotten it and he'd lost control of it and then the state of Hawaii owned it along with this other Sufi master and finally we tracked down through the different connections about who we needed to talk to and it was this woman Nancy and she Mm -hmm. was from Colorado No, this is over in the south of France. And um, so we have to go meet Nancy one day and ask for permission. And she's up there with her handlers and her brand new white jogging suit and her white (laughs) tennis shoes. And she's got so much Botox. Oh, God. Like, she's got no expression. Like, you cannot read this woman. You cannot tell how old she is. And... The only thing that I had been told... Now, this house had been abandoned. This had been a very beautiful house at one time that had been abandoned for a very long time, so we needed it to be Marie Antoinette, the witch's cottage. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been told by the producer, tell her as little about the story as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I was up there with the director, and I can tell immediately she doesn't want to talk to me. She wants to talk to the director. So I was like, that's cool. I'm fine with that. And... As he's talking to her, he starts telling the whole story about, like, oh, no. what's going to happen. And I'm thinking, fuck. That's, you know, stop, stop. I'm looking at him. He's completely ignoring me. And I was like, okay, that we, we're fucked. She's never, ever going to let us use this. Right. And she was like, oh, okay. And <laughs> then she goes, this was the best. She's like, I have an idea. And I was like, okay, yes. She's like, you should have green drinks. <laughs> and I'm like, green drinks, like smoothies and she's like made out of flies because she's a a giant toad and I was like oh I get it that's such a great idea and then she says I used to have a friend who ate flies (laughs) and I was like you did she's like he grew his own and I was like did he live around here she said no he was an alien he lived underground he's dead now it's (laughs) probably for the best
0: well you know I, I have to say that I I definitely do believe in aliens. And I know that people think I'm completely batshit crazy for believing in aliens. I believe in aliens. Because they've told me, you know, and I'm sure you've been told you're crazy as well.
1: Uh, my crazy is
0: documented
1: in, <laughs> in, in documentaries. I mean, I've been pretty open about sharing my supernatural encounters and writing about them and saying, yes, this happened. Yeah.
0: I, I discovered a TV show that was basically... Everything that I have ever believed in my whole life. Because I had sort of in my head concluded that aliens have been visiting to Earth for thousands of okay, years. Okay, so what TV show was it? Ancient aliens. <laughs> <laughs> which I know, I know, it's, alien. it's
1: teased repeatedly, and it's like, no, it's just because I've worked for a bunch of those people. So, well, of course, yeah, you know. I know, because
0: you, well, you worked with Phil Coppins. I did the late, with great with Phil, Phil Coppins, Coppins, and I worked with William Henry and, and with Claire Henry, but yeah, and then and I've met um, Giorgio Sokolos a couple of times. Yeah, and, and um, Giorgio, and he's a cool guy. But uh, I was just at
1: somebody's house. I mean, it was a few months back, and they were like, "That's the guest we'd most want to have to dinner." And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Oh, he's <laughs> really? great. I would I love to
0: have him to dinner. No, okay. he's totally awesome. He's so <laughs> okay. cool. Oh, yeah. But a year ago, I went to Contact in the Desert. Which was held at the Joshua Tree, I think, Community Center or something like that. I forget exactly what the place is called. Oh, that must have been
1: so much fun.
0: Oh, my God. It was so awesome. But it was amazing. The whole experience was super amazing. There were all these panels where, you know, they had, of course, Sokolis had a panel where he he talked at length about um, those big H blocks that are in, I think it's in Peru. In Peru, yeah. Yeah, and which don't make any sense. Oh, because of the way that they're aligned and the way that they're so perfect. There's another guy, Brian
1: Forrester, who's done a lot of research on that, too.
0: Um, While I was there, I I primarily went to contact to do some research because in my book, um, Exodus, it's all about how aliens definitely did visit the Earth in the past. Okay. And that they accidentally affected... The DNA? Well, yes, the DNA. Yes, they affected DNA, but they also affected culture. Because they couldn't help themselves, they were highly advanced, and that the, when they landed, it was people <laughs> that said, were basically Look at these cavemen people
1: crawling around in the fucking mud. Exactly, like, 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 show them how
0: to make the wheel. Exactly, <laughs> like here's agriculture, here's medicine, you know, water. Here's uh, yeah. So, um, so I wanted to have some more insight on that, so I could, you know, because what have other people said about it? What can I borrow from, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of mix it all together in my own little melting pot. And so I, I went to a bunch of panels about that, and it was really great. I learned a lot of information. I was happy. But then I was like, well, why don't I go to one panel that's just, pure, just for pure fun? Okay. And that panel was the abduction panel. <laughs> And let me just tell you, if you were the fire from the sky, people there. Yes, <laughs> I love
1: them. I love them. I love them. Let I'm me just so tell excited. you, if
0: you ever have an opportunity to it's, go to contact Nothing. in the desert, you have to go to an abduction panel. It is the highlight of the entire experience. Travis Walton was there.
1: Yes,
0: and they were so jealous. I am pea green with envy right now. But I'm sitting there, and there's this whole panel, and I wish I could remember everybody's names on it, but I, I unfortunately can't, because Travis Walton sort of like stole the show for me. He was the most uncomfortable in And just watching him, he was super uncomfortable being there. And you could tell that even after all this time has passed, he still carries with him, like, a PTSD about that experience. Mm-hmm. And so many people have said that he made it up or that, sure, you know, some, whether they were on drugs or drinking or some sort of thing that made it so that it wasn't a real experience. But I'm telling you, just from being in that room and being near him and listening to him and sort of feeling his energy, he definitely went through something that was out of this world. And it, and I it mean, changed I mean, whether it him.
1: was alien, whether, I mean, I I... I have a tendency to more believe, like, the John Keel kind of theory where I think that there are interdimensionals. I think Mm -hmm. that there are things within this world. I don't know that they're necessarily alien, but I think that, you know, that they sometimes make contact in whatever ways and that they don't necessarily always have our best interests at heart. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, most of these encounters can be somewhat terrifying and mind-boggling and then yeah you come back from it and have the people say oh you're a liar oh you're this or you're that oh you're crazy oh you're on drugs you know it takes quite a bit to say no this is actually true
0: okay so let's move on to our next news piece and um while we're talking about aliens oh i love this i love this article So apparently, okay, so the headline is Searching for E.T. Hawking to Look for Extraterrestrial Life. Hawking being, of course, renowned physicist Stephen Hawking. He's teamed up with tech billionaire Yuri Milner. Yes. To... Well, they want to find extraterrestrial
1: life. I mean... I just love that... Wait, can we scroll down to the bottom? Because that's the actual quote. I love this so much. We are intelligent. We are alive. We must know. (laughs) I mean, you know, they're just... They're completely convinced. And I like that... They're afraid of being too aggressive. What was that quote It's right
0: here. Well, first of all, to premise this, um, it says here that it includes a listening program, the effort to analyze vast amounts of radio signals in search of signs of life, SETI, (laughs) and a messaging program that will include one million in prizes for digital messages that best represent the planet Earth. The messages will not be sent, however... In part because some scientists, including Hawking, fear messages sent into space could possibly spur aggressive actions by alien races.
1: I just love that they've put so much thought into this. And it's like, okay, but if you've got a another alien race out there, let's... I mean, you know, we're still assuming that they're just like us. I would take right. a good guess they've got superior technology. They've got, you know, they, yeah. they've... Comple- they're completely different. It's like... Wouldn't they already know we're aggressive? Oh, wouldn't totally. They, like, like, we're all just staying the fuck away from you guys, because you all are crazy. I have we're going to, whole- like, let you, like, have a good time <laughs> on your little crazy world, because you guys are going
0: like, to disrupt anyway. You're already there. I have this whole theory that we're basically, like... Australia. (laughs) Now, remember, because originally... We're the penal colony of the solar system. We are. We are the penal colony of the solar system. I'm convinced. If I was an alien, I'd stay the fuck away. Okay, so let's move on. All right. Now, this is an article that was sent to me. Get out! Yes, so the headline is State Trooper... I feed Bigfoots, and they have a language. Okay, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Okay. According to a new report by (laughs) Cryptozoology News, a former state trooper uh, has become quite friendly with a clan of Sasquatches. He feeds them and says they have a language which sounds similar to Native American and Asian mix. Okay. Okay. Now, what do you think about this? Because there's been kind of like there's been a lot of because you know when you talk about aliens it sort of opens the door for other things you talk Uh, black nest monster uh, bigfoot
1: I have to say I do not believe that bigfoot exists right I really I and, and but I do believe that there's a mythology. Yeah. In fact, I know for a fact that there's a mythology because in the Basque mythology, all through Spain, all through France, you have these these hairy man, what they call mm-hmm. the hairy men, that in in different languages, you have all these myths that come down, and I think that it's possibly they found out that we did live. Our ancestors lived next to the Cro-Magnums for about 5,000 years, and that we did actually interbreed, and that we did interact, and that there was trade in between us. So it might be some kind of cultural memory that is passed down through the mythology, but in the modern day, no, I don't believe that it
0: exists. But what I like right here is uh, he says, sometimes it's just for five to ten minutes, or they stay for hours. I leave them food, and they visit, he continued from apples to carrots to beef jerky, cookies, and candy bars. Great. Right? The ex-law enforcement offers claims the creatures eat it all and leave him alone. And now, okay, based on that particular... So he's giving
1: them fucking junk food? Well, this is what, what I'm picturing. Are they
0: like stoners wearing, like, gorilla suits? And totally. <laughs> They're like, woohoo, cookies and beef jerky. jerky. But anyway, okay. All right. So the last piece of news <laughs> oh. this was also sent to me. Okay. By Oh, y-
1: I saw this you earlier. Saw this? Okay. I sent this to you and then I was like, you know what? Maybe there's some cuz poor Melissa is always the recipient of like me half asleep with a cup of coffee in the morning trawling around like the different various news feeds or the stuff that people send me because people love to send me weird news because right. i weird and and
0: um yeah no Melissa no, is
1: generally the first person that I will forward like read to this out. so this like is mind
0: bleach so this is Wyoming man found with 30 eyeballs yes stuffed up his okay, anus okay but uh, there's
1: you know the only reason I didn't send this to you is because there's no <laughs> proof well, it's, on, it's on
0: diso. Yeah, it's on disinformation, but I, I I don't really care. I think it's still hilarious. So basically, these guys, the police, it was a, a routine traffic stop. These guys, They picked up this guy. He steps out of the car, and when he steps out of this car, eyeballs Start fall from his, his ass, ass. <laughs> down his pant leg and lay on the ground.
1: But so, how do they know that they're falling out of his ass if they're going down his pant leg and falling on the ground? Like, they
0: could just be in his underwear. This is true. But they, they did, <laughs> they... is still bad enough. <laughs> it's still bad Why would you have them in and your pants? And what kind of eyeballs were they? Sheep eyeballs? Well, this is what happens. They, first, the cops were like... Oh, they're cows. Yeah, they're cow yeah. eyeballs. But the cops were like, oh, no, we have a murderer on our hands. Because, you know, murderers sometimes like to collect little memorabilia and of those. shove
1: eyeballs up their ass? Apparently.
0: Okay. <laughs> I don't know if Dahmer ever did that, but no, these things not, might happen. Worst thing. He had, you know, genitalia. But, um, so... So they were like, okay, we might have, like, a serial killer here. So they drew guns on him and what have you, and they, they examined him. And apparently, this guy works for a slaughterhouse. Yeah. And th- his, his complaint is that the slaughterhouse won't let anybody take the leftovers home. They just f- add it to a landfill somewhere. So his thought was, well, if no one's going to, you know, if the eyeballs are just going to be thrown away, I might as well smuggle them out in my butt. Cause he likes to eat them. Oh, gross! T- Tilbert explained his actions. I wait, en- wait—he
1: wants to eat the eyeballs, and he's already shoved up his ass.
0: Yes. Are you ready? I enjoy <laughs> eating bovine eyeballs, and smuggling them out in my colon was the only way I knew how to get them out without potentially um, getting caught and fired.
1: I can think of so many other ways,
0: like Coca-Cola stash can. Um I see, I think there's more to this story yeah, than no tell. tells. So. I, I, I'm thinking that maybe he enjoys eyeballs. I, up was his gonna, butt. I think he has been planning this for a very long time. Yeah, I think he kinda gets off on it a little bit. Wait, it
1: says he estimates he has smuggled several thousand eyeballs <laughs> over the last few months. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't. Wow.
0: I just... Uh. Wow,
1: that's so gross. It's
0: so... Okay, so... this Where might, is it? This I might, love this one. This might be an overly long podcast, but one article that Scarlett did send me, and I did have to use a little oh, tiny wait, wait, bit wait, wait. of mind bleach. Somebody
1: else sent this to me. Okay. I sent you with a warning.
0: Yeah. Okay, it was forwarded to me.
1: It was sent by our England correspondent.
0: Excellent. Who... <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. We'll, we'll talk about that Well, later.
0: she's awesome. Yeah. Um, porn star Kayla Jane Danger. Well, that's a kind of like a she, Kayla, Kayla Jane, Jane, Danger. Jane Danger. I would have just gone with Jane Danger. I'd be KJ Danger. Um, builds Darth Vader using sex toys. But
1: did they give him James Earl Jones' voice? That's I what I want to know. Like, <laughs> if it doesn't have the voice, it's, you know... I don't think it has like any voice. It's the voice of Moloch from the hey. Bohemian Grove. Hey. You know that, right? You know the Bohemian Grove? Like, they have that huge, giant thing of the owl, the big...
0: I think that at some point we need to crash the Bohemian Grove and then do a podcast. We can. We're chicks. We'd probably be be shot on the premises. No,
1: but the the voice is James Earl Jones in the Statue of Moloch. Nice.
0: Well, this is a 29-year-old porn star. She built a seven-foot-tall Darth Vader made entirely of sex toys. Yes! And, uh... I, you know. The Darth Vibrator. The Darth Vibrator. Exactly. I think it's wait, pretty cool. Wait, wait, cool. wait.
1: You should go back because it says there it has 200 vibrators, 10 paddles, a whip, two rows of anal beads, a rubber fist, and a pair of danger called
0: hooker boots. Just as a quick side note okay, anal beads. So the. <laughs> I have to go here for a second because it's kind of funny. So um, shortly after Jeremy and I moved out here, we were, mm-hmm. like, trying to check out all the sites in L.A. or what have you, and we ended up going to um, the Pleasure Chest because we had heard about it, and it's, I guess it's a popular yeah, of it's one in Chicago. sex toy stores.
1: Yeah, I worked, I worked at a sex store for... So there you I go. I worked yeah. at Sabu and, and
0: Pleasure Chest, so yes. So we were there, and we thought, well, let's just buy a bunch of weird shit just for fun you know. Of course you did. And one of, the, <laughs> one of the things we bought was anal beads. Now, we never did actually... Did you know what they were? We didn't know what they were. <laughs> I just thought it looked kind of neat, because it kind of looked like a pearl necklace, and I was like, that's interesting. I don't know what it is or what it does, and I was in my 20s, and I was <gasps> clueless. So did I bought it. Did like a pearl necklace? It did um. look like a pearl necklace. So we brought it home, and you know, we were kind of like... Like, we were going through all of our, you know, all of our little toys or what have you, and we had a kitten at the time. And that kitten Uh loved the anal beads. (laughs) (laughs) So, once we found out what it actually was, both of us were like, well, we'll probably never use this. Because they were kind of big. They were like, (laughs) they were large, so it was just not going to happen. Like, bigger than ping pong balls? (laughs) not quite that big but still too big for for my pleasure. And uh, <laughs> and so it ended up being a cat toy. So, and we kind of forgot about it. We were like, oh whatever. So the cat would like, bat, you know, the cat would play with it. It was a cat toy at that point. And then we had a guest cat crash over huh she came from the East Coast. she was coming out here because she'd got a job at Miramax and she needed a place to crash until so she found an apartment. and she walks into her apartment and she's like, "Hi, Lala, blah, blah. you know we do the kiss and the hug or whatever." And then she looks down in the middle of the living room and's like, "Why are there anal beads in the middle of the living room?" <laughs>
1: Like, is that's a anal beads? That's a cat toy. Exactly. Don't you know the difference? Exactly. Oh, my God. We're like, the cat loves the anal beads. And she gets this horrified look on her face. Like, what? What are you doing with your poor cat?
0: Anyway. Oh,
1: my God. Can I just, I'm just going to tell this story quickly, even though okay. it'll probably get cut out, but it's just too funny. When my first job, when I was first in Hollywood and I was 18 years old. I couldn't get a job anywhere. I was 18, and um, I had moved out here with a band. And so my roommate, one of my roommates at the time, and I got a job doing phone sex. Oh, God. And so we did phone sex, and we would, like, be on call all night, and basically it was, like, us in our pajamas... And we were down, like, in this boiler room, and we just take call after call. And it was kind of fun, because some of the girls that we worked with were really wild and, and really inventive. And so, I mean, I still kind of remember some of their different stories and and, and take bits and pieces. But the best night ever was my roommate at the time is right next to me. She's talking to this guy, and he's talking to her about pearl necklaces and she turns and she says I love pearl necklaces my dad gave me one for graduation oh no (laughs) and I start laughing and the client who I have on the phone at the time starts laughing because we can both hear this and I'm like do you have any idea what you're saying? Do you, and she's like, and the guy that she's talking to on the phone starts laughing hysterically, and she's like, what? I love that pearl necklace that my dad gave me. And I was
0: just like, oh. Yes. Incest is the best, Put I your family so. to the test. <laughs> okay. All right. And I think that's our <laughs> podcast for the day. Oh, dear. So it's been Wicked. Ciao.